You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. We are sponsored and brought to you by the Crypto Business Conference. If you are a marketer, if you are a creator, you are a small business owner, this is the conference for you to get to know, to level up your knowledge of all things Web3 and, of course, uh, NFTs. And, you know, Part of the, the thing with the podcast, not only are we buying uh, an NFT every single day, but been really trying my best uh, you know, each day to push the limits of what NFTs we're buying, what are the collections look like. And as most of you know, for this month, we've been featuring you know, uh, different NFTs that we've been buying. And today we're going to go back into the, the, the back machine real quick and pull in before we pull in our guest. And we're going to pull in, uh, you know, just kind of the, the idea of what, uh, this, uh, you know, one that we actually minted for our collection. And so the one we minted for our collection back on this would be number 226. So number 226 out of our 365 back on June 26th, we actually, uh, minted the, the spotty Wi-Fi's uh, ape tape and we have that music one it's now our third uh music nft that is part was part of our collection uh we have we have uh sammy ariega who of course was one of our our past guests on the podcast we have violetta and her uh nft drop that was on the uh that we had as one of our collection and then we brought in uh spotty's one and i had the pleasure uh to get to see spotty in person uh at nft nyc this is actually the the second time we got to uh you know kind of make all those worlds happen and you know beyond just the fact that we got to mint the NFT, we actually even have to take it a step further and we get to actually bring Spotty into the, uh, to the podcast. So Spotty, thanks so much for joining uh, as a guest. Uh, really, you know, love, you know, since I got into this space, you know, you have a, your reputation uh, precedes you, my friend, as a, a leader in NFTs, really driving forward in the music space, um, but also, you know, all around just great human in this space. So thanks for jumping in. Tell the people a little bit about who you are, what you're all about, and we'll jump into some questions. Hey, man, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I go by the name of Spotty Wi-Fi, um, the best and only crypto punk rapper alive. Uh, but basically, you know, I'm just a, I'm a recording artist, songwriter, performer. Um, I bought a CryptoPunk back in February of last year, 2021. And very quickly, I decided to make a, a musical project around my CryptoPunk, you know, give my CryptoPunk a name, Spotty Wi-Fi, give them a backstory and then use music to tell that backstory. So I, I recorded a concept album called I'm Spotty which I released in August of 2021 as an NFT. And it did well. We had some, some different elements of the NFT drop that were pretty innovative and it sold out right away. And, and ever since then, it's been sort of a life-changing experience where I'm, I'm sort of a case study for music NFTs and the thousand fan theory, the idea that you don't need millions of fans, you need hundreds or a thousand fans. 
Well, you know, that's been, uh, you know, I, I talk about that, uh, the thousand true fan essay, uh, by Kevin Cruz, uh, on a regular basis. I still think it's one of the coolest concepts. It was written originally in 2008 before, you know, social media and any of this world kind of exists. And it is, you know, to me, uh, you know, the premise of what really, you know, in, you know, web three can, uh, you know, empower and kind of take forward. I love to tap a little bit into that like early journey. And just for context for our listeners as well, this guy that many of you might have heard of, maybe some of you might have heard of uh, by the name of Snoop Dogg, uh, who happens to be a diehard Steeler fan. So extra, extra love for Snoop. Uh, Snoop gave uh, Spotty a really cool uh, shout out. And I got to go back and listen to that. And, you know, even just, I mean, not only the appreciation he has for you, you know, in the, as a musician, as NFT and your advice, I thought that was like a really cool uh, little piece of him to do. Of course, you know, many of the, the celebrities that are jumping in the space kind of all in and, and he's definitely one of them. But I wonder, you know, you, you mentioned you bought the CryptoPunk early. Talk to me about how, like, how did you discover NFTs? Like, what was your entry point in there? Because um, not only did you buy one, but you've kind of embraced it all in with the, the brand as well. Yeah, so I, I was into crypto back in late 2017. That was when I first started buying crypto. Um, I actually bought right before a big the big crash of you know late 2017. So I had really bad timing getting into crypto, but I just stayed in. I, I never sold uh, through all the whole bear market 2018, 2019. So by 2020, the prices of these cryptos that I had accumulated started rising and they were finally worth something. Um, and at the same time, uh, I was working a day job and lost that day job due to COVID. So I, then I start hearing about NBA Top Shot in January of 2021. That was like my gateway to NFTs, which is the, the same for a lot of people. Um, so January of last year, I started collecting NBA Top Shot moments. And then through Top Shot, that's how I met collectors that owned CryptoPunks. You know, there were there were people, a, a few people in particular uh, that were in the NBA Top Shot world and also had been collecting CryptoPunks back in 2020. So by February, I'm meeting these people. I'm seeing Mark Cuban on YouTube talking about CryptoPunks. He's saying they're priceless. They're the rookie card of NFTs. And my crypto that I've been accumulating is finally worth something. So that's when I decided, you know, I basically was just thinking I'm going to take some of this crypto that I have and I'm going to diversify and and try this new this this other thing. So that was sort of the the journey. And then February 23rd is when I purchased my crypto pump number 5528. Nice. Okay. so, you know, one of the questions I've always had, right, there's a lot of people that are you know, that will be like, oh, it must be nice to be early and be aware of punks or, you know, be early and get a bored ape. But the thing I always push back on people is like, let's be real. A majority of people would have sold 3000 times over that time period as things kind of fluctuated. But I feel like those that kind of embraced that, you know, those early ones as part of their brand almost kind of became, you know, hodlers as a whole. What was, what, what were your thoughts before you kind of made, or was that, did it, was it initially like, Hey, I'm going to make this part of the, you know, my brand or what was your thoughts kind of like leading into making that, you know, such, I mean, cause like literally when I see that crypto punk anywhere or one that's similar, I immediately think of you. And I think that is, you know, brand recognition that, you know, many brands would pay 10 years worth of, uh, you know, marketing for talk to me a little bit about that period between buying it and then turning it into part of your brand. 
So I knew it was going to be part of my brand. At that time, I was actually hosting a YouTube show with a couple friends of mine where we would just talk about NFTs and interview artists, interview collectors. And so I saw the value of having a crypto punk as my Twitter avatar or my my face on the YouTube show, things like that. Um, I saw that value pretty early and I was definitely thinking of my crypto punk as a long term hold like I was not thinking short term or medium term at all. I was thinking this is like at least a 20 year play. This is like in my part of my retirement, you know, plan is to own a crypto punk. Um, and then from there, as I as I started using the crypto punk to represent me, I was still using my given name, my legal name, um, using my old Twitter handle and things like that, but using my crypto punk. And that's when I I started to see like, okay, I'm getting more followers quickly now because I have this crypto punk and people are interested in what I have to say. And they don't even know, you know, my background. They don't know if I have any, any expertise or anything. In fact, a lot of, most of the crypto punks are anonymous. So that's when I said, you know, as a musician, this is super interesting because, uh, you know, you're always trying to figure out how can I get people to listen to my music, you know, as a musician. And that's when I decided I want to do something. Crypto punks are already historic, right? But I want to make mine even more historic than the rest of the pack. And that's when I decided I think I can do something nobody's done before if I make my crypto punk a rapper. Because I can rap, but it will be more interesting if I do something and actually use the identity of my crypto punk. So that was pretty much the genesis of it. I bought my CryptoPunk on February 23rd. I started having this thought process over the, a couple weeks. And by April, uh, mid-April, I put out the first song, I'm Spotty. Wow, mid-April. Well, that, I mean, that's pretty wild and that's early. And that is, that is uh, you know, pretty in, uh, impressive on that side. You mentioned, you know, um, with your day job and kind of where you're at now, you know, go back, you know, when you were in, you know, collecting crypto, you were in the crypto side of the house. Did you envision a, a Web3 full-time world or was that like, hey, NFTs kind of opened up more of that dot? Like, was, Were you thinking like, hey, investing with Web3 and crypto or, or was it more of like, hey, wait a second, I can lean into this as a, as a rapper as well? How did that kind of all come to life for you? Uh, man, that's a good question. I, I, don't, I, didn't expect, I, I didn't expect the reaction I've gotten over the past year for sure. You know, I... I I definitely saw potential to be making content and, and be doing stuff full time, but I, I didn't really expect it to pick up this quickly, I can say, you know, and, um, you know, like I said, I lost my job in 2020, but through 2021, I was freelancing and doing doing random, you know, marketing work from home stuff. Uh, but even when I sold the album, I sold the album in August. And even at that point, I was still working. You know, I was working freelance and it was only after it sold out and I started to kind of understand like, oh, this is this is a case study. This is historic. Uh, nobody's really done this before. That was when I started to realize, like, OK, I have an opportunity here and a responsibility where um, I should really be looking to be full time Web3 because that's probably the best way that I can drive value back to my collectors. 
Nice. I, I like I like that like kind of like connection point, right? And I wanted to bring up, you know, uh, you know, kudos on the website too. We'll put the we'll put all the the links in the show notes. But you know, I love you know from you know we had uh, you know uh, Sammy was on the podcast, and I know Sammy um, blew a lot of people's minds just on you know how much money he was making off of all of the time putting into Spotify streams, and then with his you know original collection, the Digital Hearts collection it being like the one that all of a sudden was like, wait a second, I can make more money selling out this collection than I did, you know, years upon years with the, with the um, Spotify streams. But I think what I found was I got a lot of people in our, you know, our listener base that was like, but what does that look like for utility beyond kind of just the, the singular album or the, or the music? And, you know, the first album that I bought as an NFT was, was Timberland's uh, album that, or the single that he put out. And he's from 757 where I grew up and I actually graduated high school with his younger brother. And, and so, I, I mean, to me, the idea that I had the rights to play his music in my podcast was like a, that was an aha moment for me in the music NFT space. Could you talk a little bit about your utility roadmap with what you've done? Because I think this connects the dots in some ways for people seeing beyond like a singular single or even just beyond an album and kind of connecting, you know, kind of bigger dots for your, you know, those that are collecting your NFTs. Yeah, for sure. So like on the website you see here at the very top, there's that you got the, it starts with the I'm Spotty Genesis collection. That's the album that I sold in August, right? So with that album, uh, each NFT is a song from the album or a, a very rare remix of a song from the album. And so if you own any of those NFTs, uh, the song that your NFT represents, you have a copyright license to that song. So like you said, you could use it in your podcast, your film, TV show, advertisement, whatever. You could even sub-license it to a third party and, and they could pay you to use my song in their content or their, their advertisement, et cetera. Um, so that's one piece of utility with the first album. We also gave a vinyl record. Um, so you can, you can go and you can still redeem that vinyl record. If you haven't um, at my, my Shopify store, um, we do some democratic voting uh, occasionally where I'll ask a question in the discord, ask, you know, like, who would you like to see me collab with? Where would you like to see me perform? Things of that, that nature. Um, and then, of course, we do access to exclusive events, uh, whether it's IRL events. We did some fun stuff at NFT NYC. We had a, a show, a party, open bar at City Winery where, you know, if you owned one of my NFTs, that was your your ticket through the door. Uh, and we'll probably do we'll definitely do more of that, both IRL and in, in the digital world. What you're I looking at it. here. So th this roadmap is really talking about what I'm working on this year, which is the new album. Um, there's been basically one NFT drop so far. That's the all-time high drop that you see right under the I'm Spotty Genesis collection. And the second drop, which is full set, that's coming out uh, toward the end of the month, the either the very end of this month or the first week of August. And both of those are free claims if you own the Genesis uh, NFT. So if you own the Genesis NFT, it's free for you to claim. Um, in fact, if you own the all-time high NFT and you don't own a I'm Spotty Genesis NFT, you'll still get the full set one for free. Then there's going to be three more drops before the end of the year. So those are the five singles off the new album. If you collect one of each of the five, then you'll have the option to either trade in the full set of all five for the special edition of the album NFT or you'll be able to just hold it and get the regular standard version. So uh, basically 
we're doing five drops for five different singles for the new album. And if you collect them all, you'll get the vinyl record and, um, and have a bunch of cool utilities that go along with the new album. Yeah, I love it. I love that, you know, and, and we'll put the link out there for, you know, uh, our listeners, you know, just from, you know, just even you know, the website design, I think you, you know, really, you know, kudos to, you know, just the the flow, it makes a lot of sense, right? And I think the the roadmap makes sense. I also love the kind of taking people, you know, on the journey with you, right? Like, that's something that I think you've done really well. You're also, you know, extremely active uh, on social in Twitter spaces, you know, kind of across um, the landscape. I'm curious, you know, for those that are, are listening, you know, we either have, you know, either a musician that's listening, maybe the musician in their house, their spouse, their their kids. What are some of the mistakes that you're seeing uh, either musicians make or not like thinking about when they're kind of thinking about stepping into this NFT space? Man, that's a great question. Um, two, at least two things come to mind right away. Um, the first thing is, well, I'm going to show my bias because I'm I'm not a big fan of a lot of the music NFT platforms that are out there. Um, I feel like most most musicians, you might as well just use Manifold and Mint on your own custom contract. If you're not familiar with Manifold, check them out, manifold.xyz. Check them out on Twitter. Check them out online. Um, they, they allow you to create your own NFTs, your own custom contract. No middleman, nobody else. Uh, owns the custom contract, you own it. Um, and that's something that's very powerful that I think is overlooked by a lot of creators and a lot, especially a lot of music NFT creators right now. Um, a lot, most NFT musicians, they're really hoping that they'll be able to apply to some sort of curated, exclusive NFT platform and music NFT platform and get accepted um, so that they can be on their website and get their audience to come buy their NFT. And I understand why, but I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of it. I feel like you need to build your own audience. You need to be self-sufficient. You need to be independent and autonomous because a lot of these music NFT platforms, um, who knows how much longevity they'll actually have. And at the end of the day, they're not really doing much. That's very innovative. Most of them. So really there's no sense in you being, subjected to their curation process and their application process. So that's that's my little spiel about you could do it on your own. You don't need to go through a, a platform. You could use Manifold. Um, the other thing I would say is sometimes I see music NFT creators, um, they're, they're kind of pricing out their audience. You know, right now, especially like the price of ETH, even though it's it's gone up a lot in the past couple of weeks, it's still less than half of what it was a few months ago. Yep. So you have a lot of collectors that, um, you know, they, they had a lot of disposable ETH um, that they could spend on NFTs a while back and now they don't have as much. So I'm a big fan of like set your price low. What, however, however many NFTs you're thinking to mint, mint fewer. However much you're thinking to charge, charge less. Because at the end of the day, I promise you, the best thing you can do is make sure that the people that believe in you from the beginning, make sure that they feel like they got in at a great entry point, at a great price. That's going to make the energy amongst your collectors stay at a, a high vibration and just a lot of enthusiasm. If you, if you price your NFT very high, 
Number one, it's tough to sell NFTs right now with the price of ETH being what it is. Number two, if you do sell out or when you do sell out, it's hard to, it's hard to make sure that those prices stay where they were, you know, and if the price drops, all of a sudden the energy amongst your collectors, you're going to see a shift. So that's probably the best advice that I received last year when I was doing my drop and preparing for my drop. And uh, especially now in, a, in, the, in the market climate that we're in, I think it's it's a big deal. You know, like the, the drop that you mentioned, you know, the ape tape drop, that was a free mint for it was almost a free mint. It was like point zero 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 one ETH or something like that. You know, so it was it would literally cost pennies uh, to mint that drop because I just wanted to build a relationship with new collectors you know i wanted to find some new people uh to collect my music and it, with the market conditions being what they were uh, it just made sense for me to do it as basically a free mint yeah you know and i'll throw that you know like you know for our project you know, were buying an nft every day but the parameters i put around it was that it needs to be in the mint phase pre-reveal and so you know i wanted to include your you know a collection in our collection not knowing what was upcoming and so for me, like, I mean, look at that as an entry point, right? The fact that you dropped it as almost a free mint, we were able to add it to our collection. Our entire community is aware of it. It's, you know, we're holding it, so selling it as one mosaic uh, on November 11th. So whoever buys that on November 11th will have that as part of the collection. And, you know, the fact that you were able to drop it and drop it at, at that, you know, rate also, you know, kind of brought it into our collection. And the other part that you said that I think is really important for those listening, like, a lot of people that when you're, if you're looking like to hire an agency or you're going to someone asking them to create the smart contract for you, you don't realize that they're actually just going and using Manifold and then they're charging you for their creation of, of actually just going through and minting it uh, through that process. So I love that advice. Both sides of that, I think, are, are, are really you know, kind of key. And I love where you're kind of taking that. I'm curious, you mentioned earlier your collaboration and you have some collaborations um, with some other NFT artists. You know, I know Art Chick, uh, who we've given lots of love to here as, as big Crypto Chicks fans and big Fame Ladies uh, Squad fans. Uh, we actually have had pretty much almost the whole team of Fame Ladies uh, here on the, on the podcast uh, as well. How do you look at collaborations in this space, both as an NFT collector as well as kind of a, as a new musician in this space? Can you talk a little bit about your approach to collaborations? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, this this album that I'm working on right now, it's a collab album. So pretty much every song is a collaboration of some type. And for me as a musician, I think it's a really powerful opportunity because I think music has a real advantage compared to other art forms as we try to take NFTs to the mainstream and introduce Web3 to, to popular culture. You know, music is culture. And music is also really educational, you know, especially hip hop and, and lyrical content is one of the best ways to me that you could provoke curiosity in people and get people wondering, like, what is this about? What are they talking about? So so for me, I'm approaching collaboration as, um, of course, I'm trying to work with uh, Web3 artists. Uh, but I'm also trying to work with mainstream artists so that I can expose what I'm doing to new audiences. You know, I did a song with Bun B and that was very powerful because all of a sudden, you know, he has he has a different audience than me. Uh, he has uh, a, an older audience slightly. Um, he also has like 
you know, an audience that is much bigger than mine, but they might not all be, and, and they're definitely not all uh, Web3 participants. They don't all have MetaMask wallets, but he wanted to expose what I'm doing to help educate his audience, you know? And for me, it's it's one hand washes the other. Of course, there's a benefit to me being in front of his larger audience. Um, and that's really like a great case study to me of, of what I want this album to represent that I'm doing right now. I announced at, at NFT NYC or at Ape Fest, I announced I have a new song with Jim Jones that's coming out soon. Um, and I've got some other fun collabs up my sleeve that I, that I can't, I'm not quite ready to announce just yet. But that's really the way I'm looking at collaboration is a way to introduce my audience to, you know, mainstream artists and introduce myself to mainstream audiences. Yeah. You know, and, you know, for those that think about YouTube, right, YouTube creators were the masters of this, right? They, the, as YouTube was growing, they collabed with others and it's that shared audience, right? You have some overlap, but bringing those worlds together and it's a, it's a cross pollination, right? Like there's something, you know, beneficial on, on both sides. You know, I'm curious, you know, my full-time gig is a, is a professional speaker. So I speak at, you know, events full-time, you know, Web3 reminded me a lot of early social media days where mo a lot of events didn't pay speakers, right? There was the idea of like, hey, we're giving you exposure. We're putting you on stage. Web3 has kind of had that same kind of uh, approach where, you know, not only are, there, are everyone want to be on the stages, but a lot of events are kind of figuring out their world. I'm curious for you as a musician, as an MC as well. How has that been for you? Have you been able to kind of figure out ways that not only are they going to pay you, but there's going to be a, a mutual benefit to that? And like, if, you know, what would be your advice to some of the events that are out there? Because for me, I think this is a massive disservice to the space and the talents and the creatives that exist here. If we're not valuing them for their offline, you know, talent, I, I was there at NFT VIP event where you were emceeing um, that event uh, at NFT NYC. And for me, like one of my first thoughts was I sure as hell hope they're, they're, they're paying him to be there or they're taking care of him for whatever that value has been. How has your experience been? And what is your thoughts on that? Man, bro, you're, you're touching a nerve right now. Um, <laughs> okay. So I have a lot of thoughts on this. Number one, a lot of these NFT events and conferences are completely full of shit. I'm going to tell you that right now. Chris. A lot of them, they'll tell you, man, anytime I, first of all, you see, you see uh, so many events telling you like, oh, this is going to be the biggest, the biggest NFT conference, the biggest NFT music, this or that. We're going to sell X number of thousands of tickets for X number of hundreds of dollars. And we got all these sponsors and we got this or that. And then as soon as you say, okay, great, talk to my booking agent or here's, here's my fee, <laughs> they get real tight all of a sudden. Uh, so it's very funny. Um, and then a lot of them, you know, a lot of them, I notice they'll they'll promise the world, you know, oh, we we got this amazing venue, uh, we got we got this incredible location, we got all these speakers coming, and then a month before the conference, they announced that they're rescheduling, and it's just crazy to me. It's like what what? It's hard to separate the fact from the fiction. Um, so I'm at a point now where it's like I would love to speak at at almost any event. Uh, but it, it really has to be it has to be uh, paired with somebody booking me to perform as a as a paid performer, you know, like um, because there, there's no way there's no way on in hell that I can um, allow my calendar to get to block dates on my calendar 
uh, without without that deposit hitting my account. You know, so so really, yeah. Now there was a time there was a time looking back even let's say eight months ago, eight or nine months ago at NFT NYC last year, late October, early November, I couldn't get, I couldn't book a gig. Now, mind you, I had already sold out my album. I had made history in August. I won the music award at the official first ever NFT NYC awards that week. And I was, and even though I was nominated leading up to it, I couldn't get any gigs, right? I, I played a, I played a free show on top of a bus on top of a short school bus with a bootleg PA system on the rooftop of it. And we just drove around New York City crashing parties and making some noise. Um, but those days are gone. You know, those days are over. And and now it's like I get a lot of inquiries. I just tell them, hey, I'm, I'm going to CC my booking agent. He'll let you know what the deal is because I just don't have time for it anymore. If if, if it's not if, if they're not supporting an artist like myself, like and and helping them uh helping an artist like myself get a paid gig out of coming out to your to your event then what the hell are you actually doing in web3 because web3 really should be about supporting the creators and otherwise i don't understand where all your sponsorship money is going and i'll 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 tune in uh from the sidelines and and hear about it afterwards preach and i i know my speaker agent is uh is fist pumping to that as well right and and i will say like for anyone that's running an event right and you're like Hey, I don't have the budget. I haven't thought of that. You know, those sponsors that you're bringing in, connecting those worlds, right? Like have a sponsor say, hey, I would love you to sponsor the, you know, spotty Wi-Fi after party. You pay for him to get there. Not only will he do that after party, but he'll speak during that day. All of a sudden, the creator is valued. It's not coming out of you as the event host, you know, you know, you know, you know, uh, pocket and the sponsors involved. It's what I've done in speaking in many cases. When someone comes to us and says, hey, we don't have the budget. I'm like, well, you don't have the budget today, but who, who of your sponsors would love to have my name on the marquee or have me stand at their booth, right? And, and do some of those things. And so, Spotty, you're, 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 you're directly on. I, I actually went off on a, in a space about this probably like five days ago. And uh, someone came up and they're like, man, you need to talk to Spotty's buddies. Uh, he's kind of uh, fired up about this topic as well. So I, I kind of had it a little seated. I knew that you were, and I were aligned there, but you know, I, I will say this as well, right? When we think about web three and valuing, you know, the digital ownership, that's IRL as well, right? And and when it comes to like that value, maybe you're the one that goes and sweeps the floor and buys 400 of the NFTs off the floor and gives them away to your attendees, right? There's creative ways right. we can we can do that, right? But it's it's a matter of like, hey, we can't say we're paying. People are paying for the front door. People are paying for drinks. People are paying to a hotel and airfare to attend your event. And yet the people that are going there to attend. You're like, oh, here's a free ticket to attend. You can, you know, get exposure. Because I don't know about you, no crypto wallet and no bank account has ever taken exposure as a payment today. And until that happens, I don't think we need to worry about that. No, that's exactly right. I love what you said about there's other creative ways to incentivize uh, an artist or a creator to come out. All these, most of these artists that are speaking at an NFT conference or that you would want to speak at an NFT conference, they have NFT collections that that you could you could support with your wallet you know and they have nft collectors that you could support you know give my give my token holders free entry you know to your to your event to yes. your conference etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it's just to me it's just a testament to how early we are where most of the events 
there are exceptions, but most of the events are thrown by people that are not very experienced at throwing in events. And they're also thrown by people that aren't super experienced in Web3 or NFTs. Yep. So it's kind of a, a perfect storm of, um, of, of, I'm not going to use, I'm, I, I shouldn't even finish that sentence. It's just a perfect storm of opportunity, I guess, is the, is the way to um, make, make the glass half full. And, and I'm definitely very vocal about, and I told people, I told people earlier this year, I said, you know, cause I had different people hitting me up. Oh, we're going to do this event. We're going to do that event in the summer. I told them you should book me now. Do not wait until after New York. Because I knew I was going to be playing Ape Fest and I knew, you know, and I right. knew that was going to be a big deal. You know, like how the conversation before I opened for Lil Wayne and Eminem and Snoop Dogg <laughs> at Ape Fest, that was a very different conversation than the conversations I'm having today. I couldn't tell people what was going to happen months ago or weeks ago. But now it's like, look, I can't come. I can't come to your conference. I definitely can't block the dates. That you're that you know you're talking about some prime time date in the summer of 2022, and you want me to block the date before before a deposit hits my account? That's crazy talk. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, my friend. And I I just want to you know spell out that timeline real quick for our listeners, right? The idea, you know, you were you went all in way back in April, right? Bought the the CryptoPunk in February, all in in April, made the record, you know, the the historic drop in August. Yet I was I saw you and the bus and the and the the PA system there in New York at that New York. That's where this podcast, uh, the origin came from. And five days later, we launched the Daily Show. And and I I will tell you from there, right? From the standpoint of on a bus, not getting bookings to your opening up with, you know, Eminem and Snoop and uh, Little Wayne, you know, part of that is, you know, people can look at that and be like, hey, you know, hey, it was all in. He got a crypto punk. You know, he's a musician. But I will just tell you, like from the outside in it and you and I, you know, just getting to know each other now. But I've respected your hustle, your commitment to this space, your, your, um, you know, the things that you've done in collaboration with other people, other projects. You're also not one that's going to um, hold back when things need to be said in this space. And, you know, that leadership has also been one of those things that kind of, uh, you know, piles on. Because I'll tell you, in December, I had a group of people approach me and they said, Fanzo, I think we can just host an NFT event. Uh, we don't know anything about NFTs yet, but... We can just gonna bring a bunch of people in and we'll short, you know, we'll, we'll circumvent the whole system. And all of a sudden we'll be like the trusted resource and like my skin crawled, right? It was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I will tell you, like, you've put in the time, you've put in the work. And not only on top of that, you also are are demonstrating it for, I mean, Snoop Dogg, you know, came out and said, Hey, I he reached out to you saying, Hey, how should I bring my, you know, my music to life um in web three? And I think that's a testament not only to your commitment to the space, but the leadership. So I hope, you know, people look at that, not only value what you can do, you know, online and, and um, at these events, but I will also say, you know, as we push forward, and if you're listening to this, we have to think of this as a collective group. You know, every person that's going there and not demanding their worth is is not only hurting themselves, they're hurting everyone else around them, right? And and we've we've seen that happen in Web two for far too long. And so we do have to think about this as a, a collective value. And and I'll tell you, uh, you know, Spotty, the thing that I always tell people is that I don't ever speak for free. Sometimes I'll speak for no fee. 
And that's because they, they can, they can stack some things up there that I consider, you know, value as far as other things they can add on. But this idea of speaking for free, you know, doing, sharing, you know, you know, singing for free, being entertainment for free, even performing, you know, doing your art for free. We have to stop that trend and we can do that as web three creators and be kind of the leaders there. And I, you know, I commend you on the leadership you've, you've, you know, kind of shared throughout this journey. And I, you know, I believe that, you know, everyone should be, you know, ponying up and, and locking you in on their calendar. That's for sure. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, I've, I've sometimes I see myself as like a protector of this space because music is such the, it, I'm just thinking about the music industry specifically, the legacy music industry is so shady, you know, it's so shady, so many middlemen, uh, you know, you got the artist managers, business managers, the booking agents, the record labels, the publishers, and they're all, they're all taking a cut. They're take they're, they're slicing up the pie that the artist bakes and given the artist the last slice and the smallest slice most of the time. So um, I'm very passionate about this. I've been outspoken about a lot of different things before. You know, there's been collections that came saying, oh, we're supporting the artists and we're going to do this or that. And I and I look under the hood and I look at their deck and it's like the math doesn't add up, you know, and, and I'll and I'll call them out and I'll and I'll be outspoken about it. And believe it or not, I'll get flack from not only the creator of that collection, but other artists that haven't done their due diligence, you know? Mm. And then three months later, four months later, they didn't get paid what they thought they were gonna get paid. And they come back and they're like, hey, you know what? Spotty was right about this or that. And I'm not saying I'm always right, but like, I can't think of really too many times where I was calling out some something that I said was bullshit and it turned out that I was wrong. So it's, it's, not, it's not from a place of, um, you know, antagonism or anything like that. It's just like you said, we, we are building this new paradigm, you know, every day. So if, if we don't have people that are happy to step up and say like, this doesn't look right to me, or this doesn't smell right to me, then there's nothing that'll stop web three from, from condoning the same sort of principles that screwed over the artists in web two. Amen. Amen, my friend. And I will tell you for our listeners too, we have to be very careful with our like vernacular, right? There's a difference between FUD and holding people accountable. And we can't make the two of them the same. And and we really have to, you know, kind of own that fact, right? And I feel that sometimes people will kind of loop one in. And just because, you know, we're holding someone accountable and there's people's, you know, bags attached to that does not mean we can't, we, we need to like cow down or away from that. And there's, there's also the element of like, we also have to recognize that we, sh- the FUD part has to, we have to kind of prevent that. We have to do our best not to do that. We also have to recognize that's going to exist. It's existed since the beginning of time of people, you know, talking bad about either something they don't have or something that they have and they don't, you know, they don't like where it's going. So I, I love that you kind of brought that up. I also think, you know, one of the things is, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, doing your own damn research. You know, right now, do your research, any of our listeners, for the people that are still here putting in the work that are showing up, inspiring, motivating, you know, being the support system for other creators in this space. There are a lot of people that you might've thought were people that were who you should look up to. And there's a reason that they disappeared the last couple of months. Cause they weren't in it for the, you know, what we're all talking about this, like kind of long run and big picture. So I love that piece body. I'm a, I'm gonna let you get on your way. I have one last question for you. Just in a sense, like you mentioned, you went through the last crypto run where things went down and then, Thanks to your kind of commitment, your you know staying on the grind, it actually afforded you the opportunity to get a crypto punk, right? It opened up the you know, the the different you know avenues that allowed that to happen. 
for those that are like kind of frustrated creators now that are listening or those that are going through their very first kind of bear market, what's your advice or tips or thoughts that you could share with them to kind of keep them, uh, you know, keep them keeping on? Well, the, you know, the, the advice I got from a, a good friend during and after the 2017 crash was, you know, you don't lose any money until you sell. So if you, if you bought some crypto or you bought some NFTs and then they crashed, um, you know, the way you re the way you really make sure you lose is if you sell. Um, now, obviously that's not a one size fits all piece of advice, uh, because there are, there are things like rugs, you know, there's things like Luna and, you know, nobody, <laughs> a lot of people didn't see that coming. And, and that's, that's hard to say you don't lose until you sell because some of those things aren't coming back. Um, but ultimately I think this is a great time to be studying, researching, learning. Um, if you're a creator, especially, uh, it's a great time to be building relationships, you know, build relationships with other artists, build relationships with other collectors, become a collector. Like that's one of the, you know, you asked me for advice for artists and I forgot to say that I always tell artists become a collector first. You have to yes. learn, you have to learn the motivations of collectors and also the hurdles of the, 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 the user experience of a collector, uh, be, you know, you have to learn that before you can really say like, I know, I know what a collector is going to want. Um, and so, you know, those are just some pieces of, of advice. And um, the other thing I would say, which, uh, you know, some people are going to hear this and they're going to say, well, you know, too late, but um, just don't, don't put more money into anything like this, like in the crypto sphere or in the NFT sphere, don't put more money in than you're prepared to lose. And I, I've made that mistake. I made that mistake in 2017 and it made 2018 and 2019 uh, very rough psychologically, you know. But um, if you if you're playing with money that you say, you know what, this money is tuition money for me to learn about crypto and NFTs, um, then I think you're in a much healthier position than if you're saying I'm going to take this money that I have saved for my future and for, you know, my rent money and whatever. And I'm going to try to flip it and double it because my friend did it last year. That's that's two very different paths. And, and one is a lot riskier than the other. I, I love it. And, you know, actually early on, one of the first couple episodes I did, I did a whole episode on like, I refuse to work with anyone that wants to be an NFT creator until they are first an NFT collector. I feel that right on with you, right? The nuances, the feeling, the aha, the, the mint experience, the reveal experience, the sometimes the rug experience, right? That whole thing is a, is a kind of a, a welcoming approach that allows you to be an NFT creator that can set yourself up to success. And I, I will say the last piece I just thought you, you killed perfectly there was that, you know, we, we heard that advice a lot when, when ETH was at $4,200, it was like, don't spend money you can't afford. Well, the time we actually hear that is when ETH is where it's been at, right? Where all of a sudden it bottoms out. We're like, oh my goodness, I should have heeded that advice. And so I think the other thing for all those that are listening is like, take note of the feelings and the things you're dealing with right now, 
so that as we ride back up on this roller coaster, you don't make the same mistakes back because there will be a downside on the back of that uh, as well. And so, Spotty, I mean, I really appreciate you spending the time. I know you've been you've been hustling the the the, the podcast circuit. You've been uh, you know killing. You have the the new album, the new song, the single coming out later, uh, the end of the month or beginning of the year uh, of August. I'm going to share that out with all of our listeners. If you're in our Discord, you'll uh, you'll be aware of that as we go as well. But yeah, I just want to say thanks so much for for jumping on, and uh, I really appreciate you spending the time with our, our audience. Hey, man, the pleasure is all mine. This is a great interview. Um, a lot of we touched on a lot of topics that usually don't come up in a lot of these interviews. So thank you, man. I appreciate your time and your thoughtfulness, and we'll have to do it again sometime. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. And I, I will say for all those listeners too, right? I'm a big believer in pressing the damn button and putting your money where your mouth is. And if you love what what Spotty's saying and you love the leadership he's having right now, he's got NFTs on OpenSea. We're going to have them in the show notes. Jump over there. Jump off that floor. I mean, they are not only are they affordable. You get you know music. You get entry into the utility that he's providing. Let's support each other. Let's support the great people that are putting in the work, not just those that are trying to you know make that quick buck. And and, and I'm excited to, to not only come on that journey, but I'm going to back that up as well. I'm going to make sure I have one of those Genesis so that I I get that uh, upcoming airdrop. So. And for those, of course, looking for a great event to attend, we are sponsored by the Crypto Business Conference. And it is definitely a conference where you know networking and connections are really the, the backbone of not only the content, but even the setup and the layout uh, of the event itself there in beautiful San Diego at the convention center. So make sure you check it out, socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. For everyone that's out there, you know, as always... Uh, make it a great day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Peace. This show is not financial advice.